As Brad said, we're going to be finishing up a series this morning. We're going to be putting a bookend on a five-part series uh, that has really been taking us through five key statements that Jesus made to us in the book of John, the gospel book of John. And Steve mentioned last week that it's really important for us as we go through life to ask the right questions and to ask those questions of the right people and ultimately to get the, the right answers. It's, it's huge for us. And I don't know about you, but I've seen that played out in my own life. I'm sure you have as well. That when you're going through life, particularly when there's a big thing that you're facing, maybe it's a big decision that you want to ask the right question, but you want to make sure you ask the question of the right person so it directs you in the, the right way. And, and on those big topics, those answers to those questions, they don't serve you just for like one day or, you know, a month or two, but on the things that really matter, the crucial, the critical things of life, the answers to those questions, they serve you for your entire life. They have a huge impact. And so asking the right questions, but also getting the right answers, it is key. Um, and so we've been looking at five key statements that Jesus made, and he made these statements, but he answered them. He answered these five critical questions, five critical questions with these I am statements that he made. So these questions we've been looking at, the first one was this. You might remember this. The first one was, who's going to guide me? And we, we looked at that question and we said, okay, what would it be better? Would it be better if I'm kind of my own tour guide through life or if I have someone else who's leading me? Who would be better? Who would lead me to the best place? And then the next one, we said, okay, who's going to satisfy me? And we know that in, in this world, there's lots of things that can offer us a lot of different, they can take a good, really a good whack at bringing us satisfaction. But we asked the question, what would bring the most lasting satisfaction? And then from there, we said, who's going to save me? That was a question really, though, that led to another question, which was, um, what do I need to be saved actually from? And then from there, last weekend, Pastor Steve gave us this question, who's going to love me? And I don't know about you, but I think I can speak on behalf of, of most of you. If you were here, you left last weekend with a, a sense of relief, maybe a sense of renewed confidence, a renewed joy even, because you, you heard in that message that, okay, even though I bring me to the table, even though it's, it's me, right, and all that I entail, regardless of all that I entail, there is someone who has and who always will love me. That's incredible news, incredible in this series, as Jesus has been communicating, we've seen that he's been communicating to this crowd of people that he dearly loves, and he wants something for them. He wants them to experience a life that is worthwhile. He wants them to experience the most satisfying, the best life that they can possibly live. And so in light of that, Jesus, he points his listeners to answers to these critical, critical questions. And so if you've missed any of these five weeks, I would encourage you, go online. You don't want to miss any of the answers to these critical life questions. So check that out. Before we dive in this morning, um, I want us just to, to go to the Lord and just pray and just say, Lord, would you teach us this morning? And I came across um, some words that James, one of the brothers of Jesus, said this week that really kind of motivated me wanting to pray as we begin. And, and he said this, he said, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God. You ever felt like you lack wisdom? He said, if anybody lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who, here it is, who generously gives without finding fault. And then he said this, another promise, very short, he said this, if you draw near to God, God will draw near to you. That's a promise in scripture. And so this morning, I just want us to start off by saying, Lord, we come willingly. We lack wisdom. We don't have all the answers. But we know this, if we draw near to God, you will draw near to us. So would you pray with me and, and then we'll dive in. 
Heavenly Father, I thank you for this morning. Thank you for each and every person that you brought here today. And Lord, we just want to come before you. Lord, we cling to the truth of the scriptures that, that you draw near to those who draw near to you. That you long to communicate to us. That you long to have your best interests in mind played out in our lives. And so, Lord, this morning we just say to you, would you teach us? And so I just want to encourage you. Maybe this is a first-time prayer, and if so, that's okay. But would you just go to the Lord wherever you're at this morning? Would you say, Lord, would you teach me this morning? Just have that simple conversation with the Lord. Lord, would you teach me this morning? Lord, this passage for me this week has been a breath of fresh air and um, in a lot of ways. And, and so, Lord, I just pray that you would breathe encouragement into our church this morning. Lord, I pray that you would speak to us, that you would teach us, and, Lord, that you would do amazing things in our midst, Lord, because we know, we cling to that promise. You draw near to those who draw near to you. So we love you and we trust you. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. <clears throat> well, let me ask you a question. When would you say <clears throat> are the times in your life when you feel like you particularly are in need of more strength. At times in your life where maybe you would say, I've come to that point where I acknowledge I need help. I need more strength. I can't do this on my own. I, I need some help. Maybe it's strength just to make it through another day. Maybe it's strength as you think about a particular relationship that's in conflict. Maybe it's a child that's going through a situation that's keeping you up at night. A time where you just say, I need strength. Maybe it's an event or a situation that's something that's happening in your life. This morning, we're going to answer that question, who's going to strengthen me? Who's going to be the one who sustains me? Who's going to be the one that, that gets me through? When I, think I can't have, when I think I don't have any more to give, who's going to be the one that sees me through? Who's going to be the one that ultimately gives me strength? I'm convinced that this question and the answer to this foundational question, that it leads to more than just a kind of getting by kind of life, but the answer to this question leads to a life that is incredibly thriving. It's not just a fair life. It's not just average. It's not just paying the bills. No, this, the answer to this question leads to the best life possible. As a pastor, you get to connect with a lot of different people and a lot of different people in a lot of different situations and facing really a lot of different challenges. And so this week, as I thought about this topic, this whole idea of needing strength, I, at first I thought of the person that is maybe facing a, a serious illness, and there are many in our church say, facing maybe a, a serious illness or health condition, cancer, whatever you name it, and, and there, there are a lot and I thought of them, and I, I thought to myself, you know, when, when I have conversations with people that are going through those kinds of trials, you can see it on their face, and rightly so. You can also see it on their caretaker's face. You can see that they're tired. You can see that they're weary, and rightly so. And so the question this morning is, where did they find their strength? When they're in that midst of that hard season, where do they find their strength? And even beyond that, where do they find their joy? I thought of the person, the man or the woman that goes to work every single week, every day. They get up, they go to work, and it's not a job that they enjoy. It's not even close. It's not a job even that they like a little bit. They don't like it at all. It's a job that's hard to get out of bed, but they do it time and time again because they do the noble thing of wanting to provide. And so they, though they don't like it, though they're underappreciated, though it's just not a good environment, they keep going. But why do they do it? And how do they do it? How do they have the strength to keep going another day? 
I thought of the person that has in their mind this desire to pursue a God-honoring relationship. Many in our church. They desire to pursue a God-honoring relationship, but they're lonely, frankly. And they don't want to be in that situation any longer. And so there's always this option. Okay, I could, take a, I could go over here and this would be faster, this would be quicker, this would meet my needs, or they can stay the course. And so they say, okay, I want to keep going, but it's hard. Where does that person find the strength to keep going? Where does that person stay, find the strength to stay committed to the things that they feel like they should stay committed to? Where does that person find the strength to actually thrive in the place that God currently has them in? I also thought about the person who's experienced loss. And this time of year in a unique way is very challenging, but it's not just this time of year. It's all the time. It's a lingering pain. Suffering is a word that would describe where they're at. And the question that this person might ask, particularly this time of year, is do I even have the strength to keep going? But the truth is that there isn't a person in this room that couldn't fill in the blanks with their story, with our stories about the times in our life when we would say, wow, I need some strength. I need help to get through that. As I studied this week, I thought about this multiple times. If there was just one concept, I mean, if there was just one insight from Scripture and you pinned me down and you said, what's the one thing, Jeff, if you just had to say one thing that you wish everyone would be able to know and to understand, I'll tell you what, I've thought about it a lot. I'm pretty sure I would pick this text we're going to look at this morning and the concept and the idea and the message that Jesus so wants us to get. It's so impactful. It's so important. It's like this, a friend of mine said to me this week, he said, you know, when I realized who God is, it totally changed my perspective. He said, when I realized who God is, it brought me to a level where I realized, okay, I can walk in freedom and in confidence when I know who God is. It changed everything. When I go through the ups and downs, I know this, I know that God won't leave me. I know that no matter how hard it gets, God will continue to give me strength. If you look down the road in your own life a year, but even beyond that, you look five years, 10 years, maybe 25 years, Lord willing, you look clear down the road, this text and what Jesus lays out in it, it has the potential not just to have significant impact in your life, but even beyond that, way beyond that. And so with that in mind, I've been praying a big prayer this week. I've been praying that every person would be able to hear and understand what Jesus is talking about, that these words would land deeply. And I thought to myself, maybe every's a little bit too many, but then I thought, hey, I'm talking to God. I'm just going to go with it. You know, he can do it. Let me do this. Let me give you some context behind where we're going this morning, because it really, it, it sets it up, and I think it's helpful. It brings life to Jesus' words. Jesus is speaking in John chapter 15, where we're headed today, to a group of people that are a lot like us. He's speaking to a group of people, but he's also speaking to them at a very critical time. This evening that Jesus is speaking is also the same evening where he'll be betrayed. And the next day, Jesus will go to the cross. And so there's a lot of hard things that are on the horizon. Jesus is about to depart from them. But in the midst of that, Jesus wants them to know, and he says to them, do not let your hearts be troubled. It's as though Jesus is saying, hey, things are going to get really tough, but I want you to know, hey, things are going to be okay, but I'm going to tell you how they will be okay. It's a critical time. A question for you, just coming from the context of this, if you knew that 
your life was literally minutes away from ending, but you were able to speak some words, how important would those words be? How important would they be? I I guarantee you, none of us would talk about the weather, would we? (laughs) We wouldn't even think about that. We would talk about things that count. And not only that, we would really hope and pray probably that our listeners were engaged, that they were hearing, and that they were taking to heart the things that we would be saying because we wouldn't be communicating fluffy things. We would be communicating life-directing, major, foundational things. It would be huge. We would say the things that were of most importance. Let me read this text uh, to you that we're going to be diving into. Eight verses from John chapter 15. Jesus, again, he's saying this at a critical time, a critical moment when these people, his followers who he loves, they're in need of strength. Verse one, he says, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Verse four, remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and that withers. Such branches are picked up and they are thrown into the fire and burned And if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Now the most important thing that you can take away from this incredible little passage is this. It's that Jesus Christ is our source. That if we remain in him, or you could even, maybe your translation says abide, if we remain in him, we will find strength for our lives, But not only our lives, our lives will then bear fruit so we will have an impact. Our lives will be a blessing to other people. It's also a must that as we approach this text, we have to realize that this text is not pointing us to religious activity. This text is pointing us rather to relationship. Because you you know this if you've experienced just doing religious activity. You know that religious activity without true connection to Jesus Christ, it's a burden. Over time, it just gets old. And you find yourself saying things like, I feel like we should. Uh, Well, I I sort of feel obligated. I I think we should go. Instead of this, what Jesus is saying, no, no, I want to connect with you in a relational way. And then your heart would say things like, I want to. I want to worship him. Jesus is saying, I want you to experience life. But he's making it very clear this experience this exceptional life that I'm painting for you he's saying you've got to live it in intimate connection with me that's where it's going to come from this passage has a lot of meaning for me personally maybe more than any other passage in scripture Um, our family uh, for the last eight or nine years we take a vacation um, in the summer and uh, we head over to eastern Iowa my folks have a cabin over there and and so we go there for a, a period of time and And um, this vacation for us, the last three or four years, has really, it's become kind of a bookend of a school year for us. And so we look, really, we look at it, particularly me, I look at it like, okay, the end of a year, a season of ministry is over, and then it's sort of like also getting my mind and my heart ready for another season. And so for the last three or four years, the last day of this vacation, 
I've gotten away with the Lord, just for, not for a long time, but I've gotten away from, with the Lord, and I've had this conversation with him. And I've thought, about the, you know, I've thought about the coming year, and I've said things to the Lord like, Lord, I commit to you this next year. Lord, we're going into another busy season of ministry, but Lord, I just want to say on the front end, Lord, I'm committed to you. And I think about all the challenges that it might bring, and, and honestly, I, I lay my anxieties before the Lord. And I just say, Lord, whatever it brings, I, I'm re-upping today. Before I get back into the car, I'm just saying, I'm in for another year. I'm committed to give my best for you, Lord. And so um, two years ago, I was um, on a bike ride, and I was, um, this was the last morning of our time at the lake, and um, I came around the corner over this bridge that uh, overlooks the lake, and I stopped at the bridge, and I began to have this kind of recommit conversation with the Lord. And, and so I was laying before him everything I just said, and I was saying, okay, Lord, I, I'm ready. Lord, I, I want to give my best to this next year. I'm recommitting to you. And it was as though the Lord, as clear as I've ever sensed a whisper from God, it was as though the Lord whispered to me, Jeff, just, and here's the one word I felt like I was just clear as day to me, abide. Jeff, I just, Jeff, just, just abide. Jeff, just stick with me. Just seek me. Just remain with me. And I'll tell you what, that whisper from God, that life-giving statement that I sense is clear as day from the Lord, I tell you, it did something for me. I got on my bike, went back, and I, I thought, I'm ready now. Let's go home. Let's ready. Let's tackle another year of ministry. Well, I get back to the office and, um, that next day, and, and I'm going through this. There's a you know, pile of mail, you know, junk mail kind of collects when you're gone, and and so I, I get this pile of mail, and I'm looking through it, and all of a sudden I come to this, this is near the top, this half sheet, and it's a flyer, and it's to ministry leaders, and it's a conference, an advertisement for a conference, and, and there it is in bold print, this big, I tell you what, is the word abide, John 15. And I thought to myself, okay, check, I've heard it, I've seen it, I'm good, God, I, I got it, right? Now here's the deal. The idea of remaining in me or abiding in me, this was so important to Jesus. It was so important to them that as he's about to depart, he's saying, I want my disciples to understand this. I want my followers to understand this because their livelihood depends on it. But not only their livelihood, he knew that if my disciples, if my followers, if they bear fruit, then other people will experience the love of God. So important, this idea of remaining in me that it's repeated 15 times in John 15 alone and over 40 times in the gospel book of John. But what does it mean? What does it mean to abide? What does it mean to really remain? It means this. It means that we stay with, that we dwell with. It means that we stay in close connection to the one that we've trusted. We stay with him. One person put it like this. This is a great summary. It says, the key to the Christian faith is staying faithful. These next three words are huge. Consistently staying connected. It doesn't mean that we don't sin, but it does mean this. When we do sin, when we mess up, it means that we stand back and we say, we get honest, really, and we say, I messed up. We preserve the relationship. The relationship actually gets stronger through our honesty, but we stay connected. I want to look at just some specific key words in this passage in three different verses in particular. Look at me first at verse 1. Jesus writes this. Jesus said, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. Now this statement would have made a lot of sense to his listeners because Jesus is speaking to this group of people and they would have known, okay, there's a, there's a vine concept that we know from the Old Testament. 
Because in the Old Testament, Israel was referred to as the vine. In a sense, Israel was, they were blessed, but they weren't just blessed to be a blessing to themselves. Israel was blessed to be a blessing to all of the nations. But these people would have heard that and they would have known, okay, that didn't happen though. They dropped the ball on that. We see that throughout the the Psalms, throughout the book of Isaiah, Hosea. We see that in the scriptures that that they didn't follow through with that. But Jesus now says this. It takes the same context, the same words. He says, I am, I'm the true vine. Do you remember when we looked at that statement that Jesus made when he said, he said, I am the light of the world. And again, Jesus was taking something very familiar to them. And so Jesus, in that context, his listeners wouldn't have been lost at that point. They would have said, oh yeah, we, we understand that. We know how the children of God, how they wandered in the desert and they were just wandering aimlessly. They didn't have direction. And what did God do? God provided a pillar of fire, a light for them to guide them. We get to John 15 and Jesus isn't simply saying, I'm your guide, but Jesus is saying, I'm your source. I'm your source of strength. Jesus is saying, I am the true vine. I'm not a vine that's going to disappoint you. I will come through. Verse two, let's keep going. It says, he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. Jesus says that my father is the gardener. He's the one in charge. Uh, It can be translated this way. Jesus is the vineyard manager, meaning this. He's the one who overlooks the entire vineyard. He not only cares for each vine, but he overlooks the whole thing. He sees the big picture. And in doing so, and in having the best interest in mind for the whole thing, what does it say he does? It says that he prunes branches that bear fruit so that they will bear even more fruit. It's not like the father's out there and he's hacking through the vine and just chopping here and there and causing pain and all sorts of issues. No, it's that he's looking meticulously, where, where could I prune that it would bear fruit so that this vineyard could produce even more fruit than it currently is? But think about this, when a tree gets pruned, it hurts. I mean, it's a, it's a cut, But you do that, you trim a tree or a bush because you know there's a better day, you have a better day in mind. You know if I do, if I clip here, that's gonna grow into something even greater. But let me ask you a question. Have you ever felt the cut? Have you ever felt the trial? The thing that God may actually be using to produce something greater in us. One person put it like this as he reflected on his own trial. He said, could it be that God is more interested in a deep work in me and in my tough circumstances than he is about getting me out of this tough circumstance? Think about it. The pruning process, what does it do? It makes a strong branch even stronger. You ever feel like you're getting pruned right now, maybe? You're going through something, you're like, ooh, getting pruned. Let's keep going. Look at me at verse 5. He writes, I am the vine, Jesus says, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, and I don't miss these last four words, apart from me, you can do nothing. This tree over here, this is a, this is a, a, a ficus tree. And um, I'm not a, a, much of a green thumb. Actually, we have we have one plant in our house, and, and it's a baby cactus. And uh, I looked this morning, and I couldn't find it, so I think it's dead and gone too. But um, 
But here's the deal. If, if you take care of this plant, uh, this tree, it will grow. I got a picture of this. This thing could grow up to 60 feet tall and 100 foot uh, spread on it. I mean, it could be a, a very, very, very large uh, tree. But think about this for a second. If I, you know, if I take these clippers and, and I look around in here and I see a good branch and I cut that off. If I cut this off, it won't be but a matter of hours, for sure in a matter of days. If we came back to this branch, it would look totally different. It would be withered up, right? It would be withered up. It would be, it would be dried up. There would be, there would be no life in it. And what Jesus is doing in this passage is he's saying, I want to make it crystal clear that when you're connected to me that there's life. My kids love to go on walks, and so we do that a lot, but there's something that they love to do when we, when we go on a walk. They love to pick up sticks, and I don't mean like pick up the park project. I mean find a cool stick that will make a good sword, and let's have some fun. That, that's what they like to do. But here's the deal. After their fun sword fights with these sticks, they always say this to me. They say, Dad, will you take the stick home? Because it's their new prized possession. And i got to be honest with you, I don't like taking dead sticks home. Right? I don't need more sticks in my yard. And so, but the time and time again, they want us to do that. But my son came home from school a couple of months ago, and he had what I thought was just another long stick. But at the bottom of this, what I thought was a stick, I noticed that there was this bag. And inside the bag was this well-watered root system that he'd gotten from school. This was, you know, like a seedling, a tree. And so we put that thing in the ground, and sure enough, out pops some, some leaves. And, and this, thing is a, this thing is a thriving tree, right? It, it's producing life. It's not just another dead stick, but it's actually producing life. John the Apostle put it very well. He, he said this. He said, whoever has the Son has life. They're connected to the vine. Whoever has the Son has life. And very clearly, whoever does not have the Son does not have life. Jesus is saying, if you're connected with me, then you will have life. Even if you go through a trial in your life, you might bend, but you won't break. On the other hand, you think about like a dead stick, right? Think about what a dead stick does. I mean, you snap it's crack it. I mean, this is good, great kindling, right? It's of no use. It's, it's clearly dead. There's no life in it. But Jesus is wanting to make very clear, if you'll stay connected with me, if you'll remain in me, you'll produce fruit. Your life won't be like other people's. In a sense, people will look at your life and they'll say, wow, there's something different about her. I don't know what it is, but there's something, something different about him. My favorite word, though, in this text is this, in verse 5, it's the word much. What Jesus refers to is that when we abide, when we remain connected and committed to him, he doesn't say, hey, you're going to bear a little bitty amount of fruit, just a little bit. No, no, he says you will bear much fruit. Let me ask you just, just a little reality check here. Do you believe that? I mean, really, do you believe that if you are vitally connected to Jesus Christ, that your life, not someone else, not the person next to you, don't elbow anybody, do you believe that you, that God could do through you significant things, that your life could bear much fruit? I want to encourage you this morning, God can do that through you. Believe that. It's true. That's what he's saying here in this text. This idea of fruit, you know, Think about this. Think about what fruit is. Fruit is, fruit is sweet. People paint pictures of fruit, right? 
Famous people paint pictures of fruit. If you take an art class, you will probably at some point have to sit and take or sit and draw a picture of fruit, a still picture of fruit, right? It's sweet. Now, do people ever draw pictures of like Brussels sprouts? No, have you ever seen that? You know, a big old thing of broccoli in a picture, beautiful piece of broccoli. Would you put that on your wall? I wouldn't. It's gross. It's not sweet. You're forced into that, right? Had a little debate last night on whether the three-year-old should have to eat peas. In my opinion, no, okay? (laughs) Christina's opinion, she was in first service, so I would talk about that. But Let's get back to the text. Jesus says this. He says, if you abide in me, he says, you will bear fruit. Now know this, fruit is pleasing. And here's what he's saying, your life will be pleasing. You remain in me, you will produce something sweet, and it will be sweet to the people around you. In their culture, this whole idea of the vineyard, it was a symbol of joy. It was a picture of delight for them. There are two really parts, though, to this fruit that we bear I want to talk about just briefly. First, this whole idea of fruit, it's, it's who we are. It's, it's as, the, as you can see in other places in the, in the Bible, you can see that the, it's the fruit of God living in us, and it produces something. You might be familiar with this list. It produces things like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. But it also is what, not only who we are, but it's what God does through us. But I got to be honest with you. When I read that list, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, when I read that list, I think to myself, wow, I've got some work to do. Because I think about just even yesterday, there was a time yesterday afternoon when I ran out of patience with some little children. And so that led to lack of joy. And that surely led to a lot of not so gentleness, right? Think about that for a second. And, and, and I ask myself, oh, okay, then what do I need to do? Do I need to just try harder? I mean, do I need just to, oh, I got to muster it up. I got to try harder so that I'll have more love and joy and peace and patience and just muster up the strength to do it. Let me ask you a question. Do you think like a fruit tree, like a good, strong tree, do you think inside a fruit tree, it's just kind of going through the motions and it's like, just kind of, I got to grip my teeth through this so pop, 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 we can get out some fruit after a lot of labor. Think that's happening? I don't think so. Jesus, the picture that he's pointing here, and he's speaking to these people as their loving leader, and he's wanting them to know, and this is simple, but it's profound. He's driving home the point If you want to bear fruit, you want those characteristics in your life, he's saying, don't simply think about trying harder. He says, think about remaining. He's saying, just stay connected to me. Don't don't veer off the road from me. He's saying, if you want to produce those things in your life, if you're not happy with maybe that list and how you measure up to that, he says, just the secret is this. He says, I give you one one command from this whole text. Just remain. I just want you to abide in me. The Apostle Paul put it like this, and this guy faced a lot of ups and a lot of downs, and he said this, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Notice that he did not say, I can do all things on my own. I can do all things if I just work harder and I'm more disciplined. No, Paul didn't say that. Paul said, I can do all things through him if I just remain. I think of this example. It's like Jesus is walking along and and he looks at your life and he looks at mine and he just says, hey, do you want to walk with me? 
And if you say, yes, I want to walk with you, in essence, and you kind of go over to Jesus, in essence, what you're saying is, okay, I trust Jesus that you know where we're going, and I'm okay with that. I'm okay with where you're going to take me. I trust the journey that you'll have me on. You know, I was thinking this week, at the end of our days, however many days we get in this life, at the end of our days, there are going to be people that are affected by the wake of our lives, right? And at the end of our days, you know, when our our funeral day comes, it will not take people long. There will be no hesitation for people to answer this question, did they live a fruitful life? I mean, if you go up to someone and you say, wow, that person, well, you knew them, I could tell you cared about them, did they live a fruitful life? That person will not hesitate. They will be able to answer very quickly, yes, they did, and here's why, or no, not, not really, not much comes to mind. And the key, Jesus says in this passage, to living a fruitful life isn't some, you know, get-rich-quick scheme. It's not, hey, you need to win the popularity contest. It's, you know, it's not, hey, you need to climb the ladder professionally. That's the way to bear fruit. Jesus simply says this one command. He says, I just want you, simple but profound, I want you just to remain. I just want you to stay connected. I just want you to stay with me. Remain with me. And what happens is when we do, people look around us and they go, wow, I'm thankful that she is in my life. (sighs) What a gift from God that guy is. He's a blessing to me. His life is sweet. It has an impact on me in a great way. You know, as I, I was thinking about this text, I think there's probably three maybe ways that we apply this to our lives, three ways that we respond to it. The first is this, you know, you might hear John chapter 15 and you might kind of nod your head and go, yeah, I know what that, I, I get that. And you would say, you know what, I'm, I'm thriving spiritually. You would say, you know what, here's, this is where I'm at. You'd say, I'm right here. I'm, I'm flourishing. I'm on my way to being a huge thriving tree. I'm, I'm bearing fruit. So I just want to encourage you this morning, would you just continue on because you know that you're pursuing Jesus Christ in a relational way and you know that as any relationship goes, you have to cultivate that. You have to, you have to invest in a relationship. They just don't happen. And so I want to encourage you, keep going with those habits, keep pressing into God, keep obeying his promptings. Or maybe this morning you would come to a text like this and you would say, you know what, there was a day when I would say I was maybe thriving, but even like this particular plant, there's some yellow leaves on this. And you would say, you know what, I'm, I'm not where I used to be. I'm not maybe where I want to be. I'm still connected, you would say. You'd say, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. But you would say, there was a better day for my faith. There was a day when it was evident people around me even would have said, wow, a person, man, they're having an impact or a blessing, huge but you would say maybe that's waned a bit. Maybe you've kind of, you just stepped back a little bit. You've become less connected to Jesus Christ. And I just want to encourage you this morning because you know that this is true. None of us slide into the best life. None of us just naturally drift into the best life that God has for us. We naturally drift. We naturally slip into average, below average. I'm getting by. I'm doing okay But when we say, you know what, Jesus says, I want the best for you, that's a conscious choice. I notice also in this text that Jesus says this, if you remain in me, and then he says, and my words remain in you. 
Now think about that for a second. If you want to thrive, Jesus is saying, my words, they'll remain in you, meaning my words will impact you. My words will have an effect on your life. And so maybe ask yourself the question, if you're not happy with where you're at, say, what are God's words doing to me? Am I around them? Am I in them? Am I listening to the promptings of God? Am I obeying? Am I in his word? Do I, do I seek him? And then I just want to say this. If you would say this morning that the size of your trial is overwhelming to you, and I, I thought, I've thought about this group a lot this week, <clears throat> and you would just say, you know what, I am overwhelmed, I am barely hanging on. I just want to encourage you this morning, keep hanging on. And know this, know this, Jesus does not leave you. Jesus isn't, oh, Luke, Jesus isn't so far away that he doesn't know what's happening in your life. He's with you, and I want you to hear this this morning. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. That's a promise. You can bank on that. And so if you feel like, wow, I'm just grasping for straws, keep hanging on. And then the third group, you might be here this morning, and you might say, you know what, here, here's who I am. I'm disconnected. You know what, I, I understand and I, I've heard the truth about Jesus Christ. I know that Jesus Christ offers forgiveness of sins. I understand the cross, but you would say, I've never believed. I've never believed. I've never crossed the line and said, you know what, I, today's the day. I put my faith in Jesus Christ. And you would say, I understand the fact that if I do, I can bear fruit. But you would say, you know what? I'm disconnected and I have yet to do so. The Apostle Paul, he wrote this brilliant letter to this, this group of people in Rome, and, and in this particular letter, he talked about branches that weren't connected to the source, branches that weren't connected to the vine or to the trunk. And he said this, and he painted this incredible picture. He said that they could be grafted in. And, and I didn't know much about what grafting meant until this week, and so I looked into it again. I looked into it. I want to show you this picture. Grafting is this. Grafting is when you take an existing vine or a trunk, right, and, and you put a branch like this, you cut the, cut the strong vine and you put a branch in there and then you bind the two together. And what happens over time is this, this branch that you've grafted in, as Paul said, it bears fruit and it grows strong because it's connected to the vine. Now, know this about Paul. Paul was the kind of person that he didn't like religion. He didn't like it at all. And that might be good news to you. If you're kind of flinchy when it comes to church and church stuff, know that this guy, hero of the faith, he was the same way. But here's the deal. He was, he was a very religious person, but he came to a point in his life where he said, you know what, I, I'm not for religion. And he had this encounter with Jesus Christ, and it completely changed him. And I love how he wrote in the scriptures about how if you are disconnected, if you're over here, you can be grafted in. And what Paul said is this, the way to be grafted in, the way to attach yourself to the vine, he made it very clear, Paul said, it's through faith. He said, if you believe, if you believe in Jesus Christ, he said, you will become a part of the vine. And so I want to encourage you today, where do you find yourself on that, on that level? I want to close with this. We're going, to, um, we're going to sing a song and maybe just even just listen to these words, but um, it's really a declaration. Um, it's the, the, the words of this song, they say, um, uh, Lord, I need you. That's kind of the, the chorus of this deal. And, and the reason why we're going to sing this is because um, this is a way for us really to declare with really, I think, a smile on your face even. 
Um, if, if you're a follower of Christ or if this morning you say, you know what, I'm over here, but I'm going to be connected, you can sing this with a smile because what you're doing is you're proclaiming the best place for me to be is to be connected to the vine. I need you, Lord. And this is a, a song you can sing as a prayer. This is a song where we just kind of worship together and we say, the best place that I can possibly be is to be connected to the vine. And through Jesus Christ, through faith in him, I can do that. And so let me pray for us and, and then we'll go ahead and sing. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. And um, Lord, we just want to come before you. And Lord, I just want to say, and I know I'm saying this on, our, on the behalf of our church as well. <clears throat> Lord, I want to bear fruit with my life, a lot of fruit, much fruit. And so Lord, I pray that this reminder of what do we need to do to do that, we need to dwell deeply with you. I pray that that would resonate in our hearts today. And then if you're here this morning and you would say, you know what, I'm, I'm disconnected. I just want you to know that you can have a simple conversation with Jesus and you can say, Jesus, I believe who you are and I believe what you've done on my behalf and you can be grafted in. You can become a part of that vine. So Lord, we love you and now Lord, we worship you because you are worthy. We pray this in Christ's name, amen.